everybody, and welcome back to another beautiful day aboard the Great Ship, the Space Show Show. Uh, I am your host, Lieutenant Commander Rebecca Frost, joined by Admiral Carrie Jackson, Commander Robert Neal, and Commodore <laughs> Lee George Cade. Uh, ha- how is everybody? How's it going? We're good. good. good but... Hey, I got a recommendation. I mean, I realize this is from another Star franchise, but in this in this mug mm-hmm. is uh, Earl Grey Supreme from Harney and Sons. Um, you can get a bag of like 50 sachets of this for like 20 bucks delivered to your door. What makes it supreme? I'm curious. A little more bergamot. Well, mm-hmm. that's the secret. Yeah. That's so the title of this episode little, is a little more bergamot. bergamot. <laughs> little, little, little honey, little oat milk, and you've got yourself a perfect tea. So. Mm-hmm. I've, st- I've started drinking Earl Grey with some of my vanilla oat milk creamer and oh... Sounds Sub- yeah. sublime so I, I bought i bought the earl gray supreme especially for uh space show show oh uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah nice. well uh right. we have we have a very busy day today we are okay. ending season two of the next generation yes. and we're going to be talking about these episodes q who samaritan snare up the long ladder manhunt the emissary and peak performance and just right now just to get out of the way shades of gray which, it's, which was the, the finale, right? It's technically the finale, considered the uh, one of the worst episodes of Star Trek history, um, because it's a clip show. It's just Riker gets a boo boo, and in order to fix it, they have to revisit his memories and make him sad. So yeah. <laughs> that's. Could you could you imagine being Diana Mulder and finding out that's your last episode, and you're like, you, <laughs> you can me, you you literally give me my pink slip at the end of a goddamn pink uh, clip show. Did, and, we ever, did we ever get a, a real reason as to why that was the season finale? I mean, uh, so so a couple, thing, couple right? of reasons. Um, the writer's strike affected this season, uh-huh. um, so they had an they had originally twenty six episodes and it had to get cut down to twenty two. And also, Q Who went way over budget. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, um, so did. money so money ran out by the end of the season, and to cut costs, they had to do a clip show. And so, you can see every dollar of Q on the screen. <laughs> you really can. <laughs> it's uh, often considered and the fine. worst episode of Next Generation, and even the producers admitted admitted they were embarrassed by it. So, just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, and two of us you, watched it. I, I watched <laughs> it. I had to eat my vegetables, right? Um, yeah. And, but uh, let's move on to... Uh, so oh, we've got some really good episodes to talk about here, you guys. Yes. Q, Q tries to prove that Picard needs him as part of their crew by hurling the Enterprise 7,000 light years away where they encounter the Borg for the first time. This is the He's first our time Borg. we see them, right? They're, <laughs> they're the idea of, of Borg. Yeah, there's yeah. like uh, a faint, <laughs> a faint misting of Borg in here. Great idea, but not the Borg. So... Like, well, it gets changed, yeah. Yeah. So I, this episode is called Q Who. Pretty well known that Q shows up in this episode. However, John Delancey shows up on my screen. I gasp the loudest gasp of glee and excitement because I was just still so surprised to see him. He's just such a pleasant surprise. Uh, so Q pays the Enterprise another visit. Uh, Catch a card. Very annoyed by this. Who can blame mm-hmm. him? Um, he wants Q to keep his part of their earlier bargain and stay away from the ship. And Q says that he has kept his end of the agreement since Q and Picard are technically on a shuttlecraft far away from the Enterprise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Enterprise finds the captain missing and begins a search. Q puts Picard back on the Enterprise um, and he agrees to hear Q out. Um, 
Guinan knows Q, and their banter uh-huh. in- indicates that they dueled two centuries ago. She's wow. all. This that was that was funny to me. See, yes. Seeing Whoopi Goldberg with her with her Yoda hands out, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, this this episode is kind of. Um, I wish it had. It's a, a glimpse into Guinan's lore, right? Yeah. Because later we learn One that her her people had a, had encountered the Borg previously. Um, Would it be her people? Sorry, couldn't resist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. This feels like a trap. Happy <laughs> Black History Month, guys. He, he couldn't pass it up for Black History Month. So, <laughs> um, Q, uh, uh, Picard, Picard's like, "Hey, look, we don't trust you." And Q is like, uh, "But why? <laughs> um, Did I and, do that?" And Guinan is like, "Look, uh, I know humans." whatever so q in being butthurt hurls the enterprise seven thousand light years away um and romulans and klingons are not even close to the challenges waiting for the enterprise in this part of the galaxy and q offers us his services as a guide he wants to test the enterprise um to see how ready they are to face the worst dangers that the galaxy has to offer um guinan uh her people come from this part of the galaxy, apparently. And so she asks Picard to start back for home, which will take two years and eight months to reach the nearest star base. Uh, They find a M-class planet where all the mechanized structures have been scooped off the planet, just like the outposts on the edge of the Romulan neutral zone. And there we see a big cube-like spacecraft, our first glimpse-ish of the Borg. Um... They send a scout that learns about the Enterprise, and when Worf phasers him, the next scout comes with a self-defense system against the phaser. Um, and it's not just like a fun robot probe like uh, that we've seen previously. It is like a full mm-hmm. person who is just yeah. on the ship scanning their stuff. Um, Guinan says that her people had dealt with the Borg a century ago. Uh, they swarmed her planet system, destroyed all cities, scattered her people throughout the galaxy. Guinan says the Borg won't do anything piecemeal and nobody has ever negotiated with them. They are a formidable foe that can outpower, outrun, and outfight the Enterprise. Uh, their shields are weakened, and so it is leafed... <sighs> having trouble reading. It's left for Picard to decide if they really do need Q's help. The Borg have attacked and actually drilled a section of the saucer section out and taken it to their ship for study. Like Picard a cork. uses. It was like a <laughs> you know yep. how like you take out um like skin samples to test for cancer. Yep. It's a core sample. Core sample. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was trying to think of the word. Yeah. <laughs> and Picard uses their phasers to damage only twenty percent of the Borg ship. Um, Riker advises a visit to the Borg ship because if we know Riker, man's down to explore. He wants and, to see uh, if any of them are down to clown. <laughs> he. he, he you know, he knows the mission to explore and learn. And he's like, well, let's go explore and learn. And Guinan says, don't, don't, don't. And (laughs) Riker (laughs) beams down with Worf and Data. And they learn how the Borg connect into a collective and don't exist as individual life forms. They start out as humanoid babies, but start implants at an early age to achieve AI interfaces within the brain. They are also using their combined power to repair the ship. Picard beams everybody back, orders a warp eight retreat, and the Borg pursues. Phasers and torpedoes have zero impact, and uh, the Enterprise loses its shields after the Borg fire. Um, this is when um, 
Picard begs Hugh for help. <laughs> Literally. He Literally. Says, he's like, yeah, I beg you him. want us. Yeah. He says, you want us to need you. I need you. And you could just tell Hugh got the biggest boner. Because... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he even said so. He was like, yeah. a lesser man wouldn't have made that kind of, wouldn't have done that. He would have been humiliated. And Picard's like, dude, people, not just me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not people. Yeah. Yeah. Picard's like, I know when to ask for help. And this is that time. Uh, so Q restores the Enterprise to its original location um, and everybody escapes. But Guinan says that the Borg will be coming in the near future. Yeah. Now that they're aware of you, they're on their way. What, what a mm -hmm. wild episode. Favorite episode. I yeah, love this good, episode because episode. What, what, I, what I love the most about it is, is like you can literally see the writer's room working on it. You know, like they're like, okay, we have this idea. It's this advanced civilization that assimilates all technology from a planet and makes it part of their thing. And somewhere after this, the writer's room got together and said, how do we make this freaky? They don't assimilate the technology. They assimilate the people and they yeah. take away their individuality. And for Americans where we're all just fucking cowboys and we all just, you know, we're all individuals. We're all iconoclasts. We're all the mm -hmm. star of our own movie. That's about as terrifying as it gets. Mm -hmm. This technology comes. I mean, what a what a great analogy of the Red Scare, which we were just mm. coming down from That's at true. this point. Not my only observation during this episode either, because we got a doozy <laughs> coming up in a couple episodes. Right. Um, <laughs> my God, this this is so cool. There's things I wish they had stuck with though, because that Borg incubator was kind of freaky. The baby Borg drawers, yeah. Baby yeah. Borg, baby Borg. But you don't uh, need babies if you're just assimilating people wholesale. Exactly. Yeah. And really, another way to look at it is they're fleshing out the Borg that we come to know and love or hate and or fear later, much like they did with uh, the Ferengi in the just a few one. episodes. Yeah. There's just a few there's episodes like, later, um, Armin, Armin Sherman shows up as a Ferengi, and you're just like, oh, these, yeah. are, these are better, slightly. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and these Borg, I, I refer to this version of the Borg as, as not classic Borg, but Borg light. You know, they're... they're they're very early draft Borg. So yeah. it's a trivia for this episode. The Borg were originally conceived as being a race of insects as featured in the previous season's episode conspiracy, which we remember with the most guts and gore we've Let's seen on TNG. His head off. Mm -hmm. um, and I have no, I have noticed in like looking into these episodes that they really, really, really wanted an, a race of insect creatures to be bad guys yeah. and try they, and they tried. So this, this is just a draft of that. So this is just early version draft Borg, right? Where instead of insects, we have decided to go with a technologically advanced civilization. Um, budget restrictions meant that the decision was made to go with cyborgs instead and so they kept coming up against this issue where making bugs was expensive and so they had to find ways around that um but nevertheless this episode q who still went fifty thousand dollars over budget it's all on the borg ship you look totally. at every single you look at yeah. the set design of the borg ship they went with this hr giger paneling for all of yeah. the different sockets and it's gorgeous and it it looks so good and it's like you know, maybe a little less on the set. I'm glad they did, but it's it's interesting as well. When you when I watched this episode, I was thinking, you know, the costumes, the board costumes, get so much better as we go along, yeah. especially yeah. in first contact. But we'll get to oh, that. Oh yeah. And I was looking at them, I'm going, you know what? I've seen 
board costumes very similar to this at like Comic Con, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, because it was it was just a, a first build, and you know, that's they're exploring this whole Borg idea. Uh, so I thought it was fascinating. A uh, couple of things. Q in this episode, he got really scary to me. Mm. Oh yeah. There were a couple of speeches where he talks about how futile this is. It's just inevitable. They are not going to be reasoned with. And Delancey was just terrific in this in this episode. You know, I mean, he, he's always good, but he was especially sinister in this one. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Q is one of those where if I came across Q and they invited me to join them, I'd be there in a heartbeat, honestly. <laughs> part, of the, part of the reason why I want Legacy so bad because they set up him tormenting Jack Crusher because <gasps> that's part of the legacy yeah, is... Let's let's just keep messing with the with and the bloodline. And I was yelling at the screen when the Borg beamed onto the Enterprise and started going through the computers, and nobody tried to stop him. No, they shot a phaser at him. <laughs> yeah, but they had that they had that Dune they had that Dune particle field shield. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, it, it, mm. nobody tried to stop him. Nobody, because we all know what Spock would have done. He did it in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. He'd have smashed the console so you couldn't get in there. Anyway, sorry. And this set up a whole <laughs> series of interesting sidesteps because every time they do something like this episode, you, you kind of either have to hand wave it away and they were always like that or just yeah. ignore it or whatever. But I mean, the Borg show up on an episode of Enterprise, for God's sake. And how do you how do you wave that away? Because Enterprise is 80 years before this yeah. or no, 180 Class- years oh. before this. Classified. Yeah. It's classified. Yeah, it's classified information, but just like uh, how it, Spock's had a sister. <laughs> classified information. Yeah. Uh, this episode also won two Emmy Awards: one for outstanding sound mixing for a drama series, and one for outstanding sound editing for a series. It was a much better episode than I remember it being. I'll, yeah. I will say that. Yeah, I remember when they first you, that first glimpse of the Borg who beams aboard the ship, and they focus on his robot hand. I was like, what an interesting new villain for mm-hmm. us to experience here mm-hmm. on this show. Also the we first had... new villain they've introduced on next gen that wasn't just kind of hokey and stupid to begin yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it actually, it felt threatening for the first time, right? Like yeah. they introduced the Ferengi and all I want to do is laugh at mess. the Ferengi. Yeah. 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 Such a swing and a mess. Um, but moving on to Samaritan Snare, we'll revisit the Borg later. I know it. Um, but Samaritan Snare, with Picard away for a routine surgery, the Enterprise responds to an apparent distress call from a pack led vessel. Well, this is a Lee's favorite. Lee loves the, <laughs> Lee loves the he, he is smart. He loves oh, the oh. oh, okay. So the best villain in Lower Decks. <laughs> so, so plot one, we're going to talk quickly about plot one. Picard, does he have cancer? Question mark. Picard's got to go for a routine, for a, for a physical, or a, he's got to go undergo a medical procedure. And also Wesley has to go take Starfleet Academy exams. So both Wesley and Picard have to take a six hour road trip to oh, <laughs> nightmare. I, I call this the odd couple stuck on an elevator. <laughs> but it was the best um, road trip ever. It really was. We got, we got a very we got a very tacit shut up, Wesley, that he didn't have to say shut up, Wesley. But you're like, I know what you're saying there. I know exactly what you're saying. And then followed closely after by sandwich. 
<laughs> That's right. Him and his, his crustless sandwiches. The replicator yes. cuts the crusts off. Qu well, I was so okay. happy with that. Well, so question, question, question. Yes. I posted this on Twitter. Do, do these Because they take a shuttle. Why the Enterprise couldn't drop them off closer? Robert, do you have an answer? I, I have a theory. Because, I mean, <laughs> honestly, they could have been just like, bop, bop, and been done. It's yeah. like we'll drop you off, and that's fine. You know, be here when we we'll be here to pick you up after school. But um, you needed to have this conversation between Wesley, or this interaction rather between Wesley and Picard, because it builds it builds to something later. Yes, and we'll just leave it at that. Bring that up. Yes, mm. but, one of one of the very best episodes of Trek, actually. My favorite. Up to. Yes, but it also favorite. sets up it also sets up another episode further down the road in season five or six, four or five, I think. Um, but you also get, you know, Wesley is still leery around Picard a little bit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Picard's just like, I'm just going to be over here reading my book, leave me alone. <laughs> and Wesley wants to chat. And he's like, why, why didn't you ever have kids? And now you're getting into the captain's business and you, you actually see Picard loosen up a little bit. He does, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and you're like, oh. And he's, you know, he relates his story of being a, a young inner officer. And you're like, he was human. Oh, yeah, he's not well, always was, just stick in the mud. Yeah. It was very human. And it also leads a, a lot of weight to his relationship with Wesley when you find out later that he feels so responsible for Wesley's dad's death. It's like, <gasps> oh, my God, it's Harry Potter and Snape. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'd be really, really hard. It'd be really, really hard to be, you know, yeah, he... He feels responsible for Wesley. He has a lot of admiration and respect for Beverly. But what do you do when somebody literally reminds you of your dead best friend is on your ship every day? Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. I guess I never thought of it that way. Like, that's obviously why he's such a Plus stick in the kids. mud towards Wesley because he hates kids. Um, but also, my, my original question, because they're on a shuttle, um, does the shuttle come with its own replicator? Or did Picard have to pack a lunch to <gasps> bring Picard aboard the shuttle? <laughs> like, I did he know. very intentionally bring these sandwiches on board? I think it had a replicator. Ooh. It's such a weird thing. You have replicators. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, such a weird thing because this wasn't a shuttle pod, it was a shuttle craft, but those don't yeah. even have warp speed on them. But then in a few seasons, you have runabouts, which have. Work capability. capability, and yeah. then and then there's a little thing that ends up getting introduced to the show, like in season six, that's supposedly been there the entire time. That has the captain's yacht. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were they they were supposed to use the captain's yacht for this episode, but I guess it it wound up being too expensive or something. Oh yeah, it takes a while Q for them to get to Damn that. you, Q who? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe the captain would have a yacht. Um. Anyway, so uh, we. You know, as part of this conversation between Wesley and Picard, like we learn about, you know, why is Picard going to this place for a medical procedure? It's because he was stabbed through the heart when he was younger. Super. And and like you said, it 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 humanizes him, right? It he tells a story about how he was a youth and he got into a barroom brawl and With was three Nausicans. <laughs> and was Playing just having a good time chuck. until he got stabbed through the heart, which Ooh, now is. <laughs> if, if only Qui Gon was around, right? Like, <laughs> definitely could have saved him. But like, you know, it's the future, so they have the technology where um, he got a replacement, but the one that he got was faulty, and so now he's en route to get a new one. Um, 
the sur- uh, surgery was supposed to be simple, but something is not working and the surgeon can't complete the procedure. He calls in a biomolecular physiologist to help and the surgeon he admits he is not qualified to complete the procedure. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, um, guess who's there to save the day? Dr. Pulaski. Of course. Picard, <laughs> Picard wakes up from surgery. Oh, no. Also, AKA, AKA that woman. That woman. <laughs> he, he wakes up her. from surgery, sees Dr. Pulaski, and you can just tell he's like, why? What the hell are you doing here? She has the best line, though. He literally says it. Yeah. She has the best line, though. Saving your life. <laughs> yeah. She flips some shit, and then she turns around and says, but you're still the captain. In the eyes of your crew, you're still invincible. And um, that is such a great line because that's the whole reason why mm-hmm. he sneaks off the ship in the first place. He yeah. doesn't want to know people that he's got a boo boo. Yeah. And very specifically, it's like nobody can know about this. Except um, Wesley. <laughs> okay. If it took, okay. Question though if it took them six hours in a shuttle from the Enterprise to get to this place, how did Dr. Pulaski get there if the Enterprise was busy? They were diverted. Away? They were diverted. They flat out said, we have an emergency involving Captain Picard and they have work yep. capabilities. Mm. So they hop there in two minutes. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> That's a mulligan. And, and Picard, he ends his, his, the end of his plot line specifically, you know, when he's back on the bridge and everyone is aware because red, like near red alert on the ship was like, Hey, the captain is near death. We've got to go. Yeah. Um, so in the final scene, he states, any rumors of my brush with death are greatly exaggerated, <laughs> which is paraphrasing a quote attributed to Mark Twain that goes, the rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated, which I love. We love a Twain. We love a Twain reference in Star Trek, don't we? Oh, and so and so does Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> but back in the Enterprise plot, the yes. Enterprise... Um, is responding to a distress call sent by a pack-led vessel called Mondor. They seem to only have limited knowledge of engineering and how to make necessary repairs to its engines. Now, the pack-led. I have met these fellows. You are smart, Rebecca. (laughs) I have met these guys in Lower Decks. Lower Decks. Ha ha ha. Very funny. Meeting them in person. Extremely irritating. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're so good. Like, if I had a cosplay dream, it would be me and 10 other idiots just walking around as pack leads at a con. <laughs> you, you are smart. You will take me to, you'll take me to this. Jordy is smart. He will make us go so, fast. The pack leads well, Wait a minute. Are... Lee, I, I have our next Fanix uh, group costume. We go. Use a pack yeah. with me as Jordy. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Ah! So. <laughs> my head is exploding right now. <laughs> so. Enterprise, happy to help the pack led. Um, and Riker's like, hey, Jordy, I'm going to send you over there. And even Jordy is like, are you sure? I don't think they need a chief engineering officer. This, you could this probably is, just send a lieutenant. This is such a listen to Worf because Worf is like, no, we're not yeah. sending Jordy over. <laughs> exactly. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even send Wesley over. And you know how I feel about Wesley. And Deanna was getting some vibes, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Riker loves to throw them dice, so he yep. <laughs> sends Jordy over. Um, Jordy beams over and starts doing the work, <laughs> and um, Deanna comes on the bridge and says, Hey, um, mm, I, I don't... I, they look dumb, but I don't, I don't know about this. 
nuts or um, whatever. So Jordy fixes the main power, but then like other problems just keep arising. And ultimately he's not allowed to beam back aboard because they have put up their shields and are blocking the transporter beam from the Enterprise. Riker can't attack the ship because it would jeopardize Jordy. And the Packled just want to keep Jordy as he is a god amongst them who can just fix things. Mm-hmm. And Data reveals that the Packleds never had a malfunction, and they had programmed these issues into their computer with the sole purpose of making Jordy their prisoner. Mm-hmm. He will pa- make us strong. <laughs> the Packleds will return Jordy in return for all the computer information from the Enterprise. Uh, it seems like the Packleds have stolen all the technology on their ship from Romulans, Klingons, Ferengi, and so on, but they do not possess the knowledge to operate the technology. Riker decides to run a gambit. We love what? a masterful gambit. He tells the Packlets that he will attack their ship. The Packlets tell Jordy, who says he's also the weapons specialist, to arm their phasers and torpedoes to help them fight the Enterprise. Jordy pretends that he has no other options. Um, then the distress signal about Dr. Picard or about Dr. Picard about Picard comes in. <laughs> and so Riker's like, okay, listen up, guys. I'm going to attack you. And Jordy gives the Packlets he in this time Jordy um let's see this time Jordy gives the pack leads that they are that they are ready for a fight but at the designated second 24 seconds they make it very clear um that their weapons he says that their weapons have been defeated by the enterprise's crimson force field the pack leads <laughs> surrender and Riker beams Jordy back and they rush to go help a card I love this is play pretend stuff this yep. is <laughs> this is no uh I have my shields up and you definitely did not hit me. So <laughs> no, I'm not it yet. Shades yeah. of Corbomite, Batman. That's right. It's, it's such a preposterous episode and I love it with my entire heart because it's like <laughs> it's like it's also like perilously close to being horribly insensitive to certain stereotypes. Um like these, no, that's these, the next episode. These pack <laughs> these packlets are like bordering on coming across as having Down syndrome. They're mm-hmm. very, they're very um uh yeah, it's like there's there's some there's some mental illness involved that there's that they're kind of parroting a little bit, and it's very, very close to no bueno. But it's mm-hmm. also it, 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 wildly it, it does, entertaining. It does toe that line of being condescending, right? Like, yeah. it gets it gets real close. And well, and and they do play with it a little bit with the Enterprise crew being so wildly dismissive of the Packlets as a threat. You know, they're yeah. obviously mm-hmm. idiots. And uh, I, I just, yeah, idiots I, I love this episode too. for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, can I a couple have a couple of things? Uh, yeah. Side notes. Um, I think this is the episode where Pulaski gets to roll her eyes at Picard. Like, I'm just rolling him on the floor because Picard says something. And she's just kind of like, oh, when he was dismissing, like, I can do the surgery here. And he's like, no. And when he's being really adamant at the beginning uh, of the show. Woman. And he walks off and he just she just kind of goes like, oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> him. For one. But two, when they got to the, um, when they get him to Starbase 515 and he's on the table have the doctor there talking about the procedure i'm listening to him talk and it is a very stilted conversation or tone in way he's talking i'm like who is this guy so i looked him up and it's uh daniel daniel benzali who i know mostly from a show called murder one where he played mm-hmm. an investigate uh, a lawyer over a season-long um murder investigation on abc like 15 years back i think i remember this show and yeah. i'm like He's grown a lot since then because that performance <laughs> on this show, I'm just kind of like, yeah, 
Yeah, he wasn't. A, you know, he was not a very good actor in this episode. No, no. Also, oh. can we talk about the the outfits that these doctors are oh. wearing in surgery <laughs> to hide the blood? These bright red head to toe red surgical robes. Yeah, I don't understand this this whole costume. I don't. But all of that with no mask. To hide the blood. And no mask. Exactly. No. Anyway. Also, I, uh, um, yeah. Wesley failed his exam again. Again. No, no, he didn't. I thought that it was, he passed it well enough to continue studying on the yeah. Enterprise. That's right. That yes, again. yes. Oh, that's Picard. right. This that's uh, this IMDb synopsis is incorrect then. But no, you are absolutely correct. He can continue his studies on the Enterprise. Yep. I uh, I got giddy, and I hope I'm, I'm going to try to couch this in as non-spoilery as possible when Picard was telling the story about his misspent youth, I got chills because of what's to come. I just, that's all I'm saying. I'm not even going to mention the episode. Because mm. it is just the best. Anyway, go ahead. And oh and oh and uh, when we finally do see the Nausicans in Next Gen, yes. you understand instantly. Yes. Rebecca, have you seen Picard? I've seen the last episode, and that's it. Oh, that's the one we watched up there. That's yeah, the one we sure. watched at the. Oh, you haven't watched the whole. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Then I'll just right. I will leave it then. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. No, we're because okay. mostly, mostly makes the hard. comment, and I'm just like, oh. Mm -hmm. I I really because... appreciate you guys making the effort not to. Oh like, no, because there's a lot things. of there's a lot of member berries that I really want to revel in. Oh yeah. And, yeah. So I can't right. wait to revel in them with you. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Um, also, Will Wheaton and Patrick Stewart came up with the gag where Wesley Crusher encounters a non-automatic door for the first time. Um, <laughs> ain't that fun. So yeah. our next episode, <laughs> Up the Long Ladder, an antiquated distress signal leads to two lost 22nd century Earth colonies, each facing doom in different ways, one by fire, the other by prolonged cloning. What an episode! Uh yeah. <laughs> Um, as someone with Irish heritage myself, uh, not what, sure did, how I felt about happy? the representation. Were you happy to see to an accurate representation of your people in space in the future as if they were still dealing with a this, famine? This was Welcome. as insensitive as a, a Looney Tunes cartoon. Robert's like, yeah, it's must like... be must be weird, huh? <laughs> yeah. Did you see the casting call for this? Must be able to do passing, if not semi shitty Irish accent. Yes. Yeah. It was it was so by the number stereotypical. It was Oh yeah, my god. So yeah. Although a great line, a great line. Ah, no, Brian, nice to see an Irishman running the ship. God. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just reference so Col Col Meany, who plays Chief Miles Edward O'Brien, was reportedly not too thrilled by the story's depiction of Irish Ooh. characters. So, um, so. <laughs> being little more than a bit player, he had no say in the scripts. Years later, in the episode If Wishes Were Horses, he was a series regular and was given a script focusing on O'Brien's Irishness in a condescending way. He had the wishes story rewritten to eliminate or at least mitigate that slant. Really? So what's so hard about this episode is this is actually one of my favorite because the B plot is actually one of those classic, oh, you say Star Trek wasn't woke? 
Mm, this is exactly. so woke. That entire B plot is a reproductive rights storyline mm-hmm. uh, right. that that literally leads to uh, Riker going uh, phaser crazy. Yeah. <laughs> There, there was a there was a piece of trivia that I I left out, but um, they got a lot of complaints from the pro right to life members of society really? about Riker's oh. line about how he um, has the right to his own body, and angered a lot of people with that line. Uh, yep. So, which is why they gave it to him. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the Enterprise comes across a group of people who um, <laughs> who are sending out an SOS signal, and the SOS signal matches technology from Earth um, circa 2133 to 2190, so not too far in the future. Um, and it was launched by the European government. There are no launches from that period that went to or near anywhere the current sector that they're in. Um so they they discovered that these earthlings in particular may have originated from the SS Mariposa, which settled a group of utopians hundreds of years ago. Um, Picard is intrigued at the odd mix of equipment they carry, which includes advanced machines, but also spinning wheels and pigs and chickens and cattle. Um, and Data theorizes that this was a group of utopians out to establish their own system of society. So uh, they are in danger. Um, so they, there's a whole conversation about how do we beam these people aboard without freaking them out, right? Um, because this is technology that they haven't necessarily encountered before. My, my, if I were first officer, I might suggest, hey, let's recreate their society in the holodeck real quick and Ah. just pop them in there. Good idea. And then gently acclimate them to the rest of the technology, um, but instead, Riker goes down and is like, hey, uh, I have a spaceship and you guys are just going to come with me. <laughs> and uh, we're going to put you in a cargo hold with all your pigs and ducks and chickens and cows. Um, by the way, are any of you down to clown? Because <laughs> this is ultimate space pimp Riker episode. It really this was, is. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Riker, this this is not space pimp Riker. This is pickup artist Riker. Yeah. This oh, is yeah. Riker oh, utilizing the techniques of negging to yeah. its fullest. And I'll get to that oh, in a God. second. Yeah, it's so, so bad. <laughs> they, they store all these refugees in the cargo bay. Not ideal. Um, don't really give them a rundown on how the future works. And so they start a fire trying to cook food as you would because They're nobody has given skills. them instructions about how to use the food replicator. <laughs> um, uh, and they so, and they and they they look at Riker and said, <laughs> "There you go, potato." <laughs> uh, Riker meets one of the the one woman seemingly who is in charge of everybody <laughs> of course the, it's the hot one yeah it's, it's she, she's, she's the hot one she's the daughter of like the seemingly the main guy of these that guy <laughs> and um she she's fiery she sure she's, she's absolutely absolutely beautiful and and just taking mm-hmm. no shit from anybody which i, and just I love. also love that her costume was designed specifically to at one point show incredible how incredible her midriff really is yes because they're just like, i mm-hmm. yeah, her sweater like, mm. I, it, that was a great sweater it 
too bad it ended. Like, yeah, right. That's not keeping you, that's not keeping <laughs> yeah. you warm. That's why Riker's arms are Look, there to keep you warm. It's not <laughs> chilly. It is not chilly in Space Dublin, though. So that's true. You're okay. <laughs> Space Dublin. <laughs> Space Dublin. But okay, okay, uh, okay. God damn it. New, new Dublin. Uh, I love it. We're going to make I'm a colony. Trying- trying to find the line okay so so Riker takes a liking to her she shows him her ankles it's a well-turned ankle and that's how you know things are on Riker takes her back to his quarters which is messy which is messy by the way and she insists on cleaning if if this wasn't the future his mattress would be on the floor right and he would have like one pillow and no comforter oh he he would it wouldn't be a mattress either it'd be a futon mattress it'd be a futon i was gonna say that yeah of course The best uh, Kleenex next to the Men lotion. never clean up after themselves. I love the, the whole thing yeah. about her. Men are so stupid, yes. And she so she's cleaning his apartment, complaining. And Riker and says, like, I can see why your father wants to marry you off so he can have a pipe and a mug of beer in peace. And for her, that's like the song of her people. That's right. <laughs> and she's like, Well, if oh, you, you say sp- so. You speak misogyny. Oh, I see. Yeah. Which <laughs> leads to her best to line me? on the entire episode. Oh, how do you wash one's feet? Generally, we start at the top. Bop bop. <laughs> And Riker's just Riker's just in there like a sixty sexploitation oh, yeah. movie. And she just she yeah. just yeah, this, this it's like, oh, I'm out of some presence. Oh yeah. my pants fell down. <laughs> I will say her actual best line comes at the end of the episode. True. Isn't that just like a man? You make these grandiose decisions, but you never stop to consider the poor women. Mm. Pretty time pretty yeah. pretty yeah, timely. Exactly. But back so back in the, the B plot, um, we're uh visiting these this other colony um and where five scientists from the the previous so the, the they're irish people the yeah. irish people and this other people they're connected they came from the same ship but they went off in very different directions so yes. only five scientists survived and they have turned to cloning to keep their dna alive um and because of this sexual drive None of that. No more. Riker cannot even fathom the idea. They're not even, they can't even think of being horny. They don't. The idea of sex is disgusting to them. This is is the anti-Riker planet. They call them pee-pees and woo-woos on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) But they, they've cloned too much and they need some fresh DNA. They're pulling a midsummer, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they, every time they clone, they're making a copy of a copy and they're, they're seeing some error creep in the chromosomes. Um, So eventually after so many generations there, it's all going to be unstable. Um, so they ask for so they ask for a f- sample of fr- a fresh supply of DNA to help keep it going. Um, Picard's like, oh, absolutely not. But they I would have ins- just pointed him out to Riker's futon. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Right there. Right there. So they. <laughs> The, the, the scientists abduct Riker and Pulaski, um, and steal some of their DNA. Um, they are returned to the Enterprise, and they have no memory. They have no memory of the situation, but Pulaski pieces it together. And you know, after doing a scan, 
notices that she and Riker are missing some some stomach lining cells. Um, and so they go back and see that their bodies are being cloned, kill their clones. And uh, the scientists are like, but but why? <laughs> we and needed like, those clones. I just had a minute and a phaser. um pulaski explains to them like hey even if you got fresh dna your generation's gonna die out like in 15 generations this same issue is gonna happen again yeah um so they come up (laughs) deanna of all people um encourages this uh but they all come up with the grand idea of well we've got these group of people who have nowhere to go and you people who need fresh DNA. And by the way, Worf is introduced. Replicators is a good source of hooch. <laughs> yeah. Keep those so, yokels drunk. So <laughs> why don't you guys take these, this refugee breeding stock and introduce them into your colony and the scientists meet the corralled. I don't want to call it a concentration camp of, of irish folk (laughs) and they're like ew let's just say they went to check out the livestock at ellis (laughs) island they did absolutely yeah and and the um whoever is the the head irish guy he first is like i don't i don't know about this and then when it is explained to them that each woman refugee in mariposa will need to have three babies one from one each from three different partners he suddenly changes his <laughs> whole tune it, yeah. he's like oh you wives. mean i can fuck around can i <laughs> mm. i get three wives i'm on it yeah no problem <laughs> uh, um, well, um this is one of those just i mean again there's a really good message in there about reproductive rights but there's a whole bunch of hokum wrapped around it yeah totally but there's also originally this was supposed to the whole um the mariposan the two mariposan colonies were supposed to be about immigration Mm. that Mm. got kind of lost in the reproductive rights story but um this also raises another story down the road and I'm just going to say Thomas, and I'll leave it there for those of you who know who I'm talking yes, about. Yes. Because indeed. this is an exact lead into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's Thomas also indeed. another There's also another plot in this episode that gets totally brushed over. Worf has the measles, and Dr. Pulaski uh, fixes it for him. Um, did it look like they were going to, did it look like Pulaski and Worf might have had something when she's like, hold on a minute, and she just runs out of the room when he brings her to the mm-hmm. tea? I'm just going to like, That's... where's she going? It's a lot then, like the uh, the plot line that my youngest is convinced existed in the original series between uh, Bones and Spock. So, hmm. but then again, Molly makes everybody gay. So you know, <laughs> it's, um, it's just their but MO. at the end, Worf to repay the favor that she has done for him presents her with a, a Klingon tea ceremony, and she's like, "Hell yeah, Klingon tea ceremony!" Like there's there is a Let whole my life. Enzymes. There is a whole life that she has lived, and I I'm dying to know more. She has lived like three lives before being on the Enterprise, and I am truly dying to know more. I don't know um, if we ever get the Catherine Pulaski adventures in books or I comic think she books. might have had some she might have had some spinoff books, but there's there's something happening. And it happens in another episode in this group of episodes where, yeah, you were talking about it last week, Rebecca, that you're really starting to enjoy this, the character of Catherine Pulaski. And now I'm like, they, they 
did her dirty because they really did her wrong. Mm-hmm. She really starts to, they really start playing with some elements that make her very compelling and nothing against Crusher. I, I love the yeah. character of Crusher and that, I hate the fact the that she got screwed is... over so bad, but yeah. That's the thing is, I she's the Yeoman Rand of this. I I really like both characters. Um, I can I can understand why bringing back Doctor Crusher as as an that adds an element of like a romantic subplot for Picard, right? Um, Barely, bare for sure. But like, and the but the brashness of Doctor Pulaski is definitely not sustainable for much longer, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I I would have liked to have seen her more. Um. For this episode in particular, the HD Blu-ray DVD release of this episode revealed a visual gag um, that the production team had inserted, but it was too blurry to have noticed on TV screens in the 80s. Um, The Enterprise computer record display refers to a ship called the HMS New Zealand making a diplomatic visit to the planet Alderaan. (laughs) 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 So, um, moving on to... The next episode, you guys, I'm so excited about this episode because not only is it Tracy Torme's last episode, and I like a Tracy Torme episode, um, the return of Loaxana Troy, the episode Manhunt, a midlife Vetazoid condition renders Ambassador Troy hot on the hunt for romance and wedlock with Captain Picard or any man. <laughs> <laughs> this episode it. was wild because the kids sat down like the second Loaxana came on screen the kids sat down never watched an episode of next gen with me ever the kids <laughs> sat down and watched the next two episodes and it was from a from totally from a costuming perspective and we got to talk about the uh the bins in la where the costume department would go to find outdated last year's previous seasons textiles and Luxana troy she's got like 35 costume changes in this episode <laughs> and it's and it's all bonkers off the hook it's good to be the queen kind of stuff so, so yeah. there there's not even <laughs> there's not much plot to this episode no. they they the, the plot is um they the enterprise is transporting these two um oh what are they called um, former members of fleetwood mac <laughs> yes but i'm trying yes. to find out the actual name um and uh what antidian um antidian yeah. delegates and they're just fish they're like fish people nick fleetwood huge fan of star trek um that he agreed to shave his beard for this cameo he is one of the fish people um and loaxana troy shows up I love this woman. She is aggravating. She, I want to follow her around with a spray bottle. No, Luxana. Um, she, she brings the up. giant from Twin Peaks. Yes. She brings the giant. And the minute Deanna just hanging out and she goes, oh my God. And everyone's like, Deanna, what? And she's just like, no. mom. <laughs> and they get, well, no, she doesn't even do a- that. She doesn't even do that. She's like, oh, she just jumps up and everyone's like, you all right? Mm-hmm. And she just refuses to say anything. And it's like, boom. Oh. Well, yet, so they right. get so they get a hail, so they get a hail, right? And it's the captain of whatever ship she's on. And Loaxana Troy just <laughs> forces her away. Well, I love it. She beams onto the ship. She announces to Picard, oh, by the way, we're getting married. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only that, uh, she she straight up just humiliates him by like 
reading his thoughts and just vocalizing them to everybody about how horny he is for her and picard's like i'm Maybe. not the, i'm not though like she's definitely exaggerating she has to be oh yeah um her never <laughs> She's just, I'm just wondering. I mean, because because Rachel is watching this too, and she's just like, I don't, I don't know if she's actually like telling the truth or if she's got like uh, Beta Z menopause going on, where her powers are just hyper inflating everything. So. <laughs> and so she arranges for a dinner with Captain Picard, and Riker's so like, or so Picard's like, are you coming to dinner? And Riker's like, what dinner? And Picard's like, oh no. <laughs> and he goes, no, it wasn't until Pulaski because he runs to Pulaski. He's like. Why aren't you dressed for dinner? She's like, I already ate. Yeah, and he's in his dress uniform, and she's just like, "Good seeing you. I'm out." His his scant his 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 scant, which they should bring back more of, by the yes. way. Yes. Um, he gets to dinner with her, and he's like, "I hate it here. Hey, Data, why don't you come regale us with endless information?" And Data's like, "Okay." <laughs> and so Data runs and is just uh rattling off facts and Loxana's like mother fucker <laughs> it was um, like it was like bringing jeff vice on a date <laughs> <laughs> and you. so so after dinner picard's like i am going to go make myself unavailable i'm gonna go play dixon hill for a little bit so if you guys ah. could just keep her busy uh that would be great so he goes to play dixon hill for a little bit and Loxana waltzes onto the bridge and Deanna's like you can't just stroll onto the bridge and she says I did not stroll I took that turbo tube thing yeah. <laughs> and she's well not only that but like um she turns to whatever her helper's name is and she is like okay who's next on the list and he goes like this and covers his eyes <laughs> as to as if to indicate Jordy and she's like ah right to the bridge <laughs> and they, they get to the bridge and she sets her sights on Riker knowing that Deanna is like absolutely not well first at first she hits on wesley and i'm like loxana no you stay away from him he's a child (laughs) um so she just decides i'm going to marry riker and riker and his infinite down for anything is like oh uh, uh. He's entertaining it for a second. I love for a that. Second. For yeah. a second, he thought she, about it. Well, she yeah. says in a in a um full Betazoid ceremony, which if we know anything about Betazoid marriage ceremonies, they take place fully in the nude. And so yeah. Riker, you could just tell like, he does nude. he does it. He's like, hmm. I mean, what I love, what I love is I realize in this episode he gets the same look on his face when he's thinking about that kind of stuff as he does when he thinks about ramming the enterprise into an enemy ship it's like <laughs> that there's this just this look you know he's like uh, yeah um there there's a scene where uh picard is being uh he, he's talking to deanna and riker about loxana's whole deal and how deanna explains how loxana is essentially going through a betazoid menopause but this phase of their midlife um quad sometimes quadruples their sex drive and riker's like yeah i knew all about it deanna told me about it when we first got together and he says yeah quadruples their sex drive and deanna says or more and he goes or more and she says i didn't want to frighten you and riker gets this look on his face where he is like challenge accepted i am so looking forward to the challenge when the time comes ramming speed Uh, so loaxana finds captain picard playing dixon hill and 
starts hitting on the fake bartender and Riker's like should we tell her and Picard's like no not yet (laughs) (laughs) and the story the story ends with um after Luxana has insulted the Antedians quite a bit, calling them like sushi and stuff, um, they go to beam aboard the planet where they're all going to, and she, Luxana, out of nowhere, says, oh, by the way, these guys assassins, and they're like, rah, 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 how dare you betray us like this, blah, 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 and she's like, whatever, and so they, like, arrest the Antedians for a be- planning an assassin, and uh, then she leaves, and a fun Loxana Troy <laughs> romp in the woods. There you I go. I was so mad when I got done watching this episode because I hated it when I fought when I first watched it. I hated Loxana Troy. I hated everything about this episode. I hated McFleetwood and his stupid fish costume. <laughs> and I found myself chuckling and having a good time. And now I'm really worried that another episode of Loxana Troy that's coming up later with a character who has not even been introduced yet isn't going to be as irritating as I think it is. Um yeah i just i i love her she aggravates me so much like she's it's so uh, but no. moms but am i right it's the, like it's the boss's wife yep. <laughs> what are you gonna do there's there's a moment too where she's talking to the computer and the computer talks back that's her talking to herself isn't that fun yep. <laughs> yep. um next episode the emissary the enterprise addresses the emergency of an old Klingon ship coming out of stasis and ready to fight the Federation. A half-human, half-Klingon emissary arrives to help who wants new Worf intimately. Um, couple of things yes. here. Uh, your mission, go find a Klingon ship that doesn't know about the alliance between the Klingons and the Federation. So Have that. And also, a half-human, half-Klingon. What a concept. Um and she she's lovely. Uh, Susie Paul Susie Plaxon, uh, who played uh, Lieutenant Sailor in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Marshall Erickson's mom in How I Met Your Mother, if we're keeping track of her IMDb history. Okay. Um, so the episode of tallest opens, person in Trek history. She's so tall. Yeah. Um, episode opens, they're playing poker. Another fun poker game between everybody. Um when they receive word that, hey, uh, you guys need to go here for an emergency. We can't tell you much beyond that. So uh, we're going to beam aboard something. Um, just get there fast. <laughs> and so um, something is beamed aboard the Enterprise, and it's a casket of some kind carrying it's a probe. Uh, ca- Torpedo, Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a, an old hollowed out probe. Um, but emissary Kalar, how oh, I cannot remember how to say Kalar. her name. Kalar. Kalar. It's because it's spelled so weird. Yeah. Like very Mormon spelling for this Klingon. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so this Klingon ship that they are on the hunt for it went missing about seventy five years ago, and um, the red October. <laughs> the red October. Um, they ever uh, the this ship has reached its destination and the crew is about to be awakened from stasis um they predate the current peaceful coexistence between the federation and klingon empire and so as far as they are concerned those klingons think that they are still at war um kalar says that it will not be possible to convince the klingons that the war is over um another klingon ship is also on its way to assist um, but it's two days behind and by then might be way too late um the, this this whole episode really is about the interaction between Kalar and Worf and their history together. Mm, yes. um, 
she loads up a training sequence in the holodeck that is catered specifically to Worf. And Worf shows up and the couple that fight trains together stays together and they have a very weird sexy time in this fight simulation. He grabs her hand and holds it in such a way where it starts to bleed and they are both like hell yeah this is awesome and i don't know that i want a horny wharf you know i don't think that i like this, it this is a um for folks who haven't really watched much next gen but you're watching the space show show this is actually a keystone wharf mythology episode everything that happens with wharf forever starts this episode yeah yep um yeah yeah and uh there's a whole there's I like I I can't believe this is all we see of her because I really like their interpersonal relationship and how like they had a whole history and like Worf is capable of some kind of like romantic entanglements but um we don't really get to see a whole lot of that um the the episode the episode ends where like they get Worf and Kalar get to play pretend in like full Klingon outfits so and good. and he assumes the captain's role of the Enterprise and um you know they message the the awakened uh, Klingon ship um and Worf tells the Klingons that the war is over the Klingons won and he asks them to drop their shields or to be killed the Klingons comply Kalar is sent to take command of that ship um she expresses her love for Worf and and even um regret over their lost time together um and like that's that's episode right there's no real like B plot there's no there's nothing it, much else. It was uh, interesting to me that, uh, you know, after they had sex, uh, Worf immediately just assumed... We're getting well, married. We're getting married now, I guess, obviously. Yeah. you know, <laughs> Traditional Russian a, family values. Yeah, it's, such a, it's such a cool thing, too, that they set up in this episode because Kalar, um, half human, half Klingon, and she's kind of like, she's straddling both worlds, but she's definitely more um, human-leaning culturally yeah. like she yeah. she's definitely she, more human leaning in the in especially in the way that klingon anger affects her greatly right she it has affects a her decision making and all that other stuff and then Worf, who's raised by the resentskos or the resent resentskos that you know in a human household on a human colony and like he's thrown so much of that away to embrace klingon ideology um it, it it's an interesting thing that they're playing with here because it's it's two people who are kind of cultural outcasts who desperately want to belong together and could like they're very compatible because they have so much in common and yet he's such a traditionalist it's like he it's like he joined an orthodox version of his culture <laughs> as an adult that you know? that was the thing when they first introduced her as being half human half klingon i was like this is per this is a perfect companion for Worf, a Klingon raised in a human, like human society, right? With yeah. he, he understands human culture. He also understands Klingon culture. This match made in heaven, right? Apparently not. She's, she's a bit much. Um, she has fantastic superhero outfits. She has quite a few costume changes in this yes. episode. Um, the uh, great, great monsters on the holodeck. I really greatly enjoyed them. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the, Skeletor. Uh, 
<laughs> the original story had Kalar being a, the product of a Vulcan mother and a Klingon father, but the editors felt that was too unrealistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fake, yeah. yeah, in my space show. That's <laughs> unrealistic. Um, and also, uncredited cameo from our friend Diedrich Bader as yes. an uncredited tactical crew member. With his full head of hair and everything. Full yeah. hair. <laughs> Nary a forehead to be seen yet, you know? Um, you look great. Handsome he, young man. <laughs> yeah. I, he, it was his cameo that like I knew was coming, but then it, it came and went, and it wasn't until I was researching this episode that, um, oh, right, Diedrich Bader is there. Um but I want to move on to the the actual season finale of this season. Yeah. Um, peak performance. The crew of the Enterprise participates in war games. Um, a fantastic finale, really. Like, it's such a shame that Shades of Grey comes after this yes, because this exactly. is a killer season finale. Mm -hmm. um, the Enterprise is to engage in a war gaming exercise with the Zakdorn master strategist, uh, Kolrami. Uh, annoying as hell. God, oh, that's so good. <laughs> he is extremely good. Yeah. Uh, as part of the exercise, Riker will command an 80-year-old vessel, the USS Hathaway, and act as the enemy. Um, actual weapons will be disconnected and linked to a modified laser pulse beam, and all hits will be recorded electronically. Riker Space will have laser tag. Yes. <laughs> well, and this is this is based off of um actual war training exercises. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember specifically what era, but uh, anyway, um, he has 48 hours to prepare the Hathaway before the Enterprise attacks. Uh, Riker knows that the Hathaway has archaic engines and a very old computer software. Um, even the best of its weapons can't hope to hit the Enterprise. Uh, Riker tells Picard, or Picard tells Riker that due to the Borg threat, he and his officers need to hone their tactical skills, hence the choice of an 80-year-old ship, because that's how archaic the humans are in front of the Borg. Um Kolrami, weird. How how would we describe this person? <laughs> uh, he is a master tech. His people are master tacticians when it comes to not just war, but uh, you know, like uh, anything anything involving um like odds and yeah, strategy. Batman. Yeah, they're all Batman. They're yeah, really <laughs> they're all really Batman. They're yeah. really blunt and condescending, and and it's 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 fun because he's so dismissive of Riker at the beginning. Did I say Batman? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he. Sorry, I don't get the feeling that Cole Robbie's going out and beating on the mentally ill all night. You Have you that. seen him? He can barely get Nobody up the stairs. <laughs> he he sends he sends his junior officer to do it. Yeah. So he Kolrami is supposed to be the master of a game called Stratagem. Um. A typical game of stratagem can last over 1,000 moves. However, he defeats Riker in 23 moves. And so he believes that Riker will not present a higher challenge in a war game simulation. And Picard is like, how dare you talk that way about my best friend? <laughs> but so, such a great Riker scene too, though, because the whole time they're like, why Riker's really great at strategy. And so, you know, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to give him a challenge. And he's like, he, he barely does. And Riker's like, I just wanted to be able to say that I played him. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that's I'm a fan that's boy. Riker yeah. in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, Riker, especially in the episode Shades of Grey, he he waits to greet death as an old friend, right? Like, truly, just like he knows that there is an op, there is the chance of death in everything that he does, but he does it so he charges forward so bravely into everything he does, including this war game scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. 
Rick, Riker takes LaForge, Worf, Wesley, and a bunch of the other crew um, onto the Hathaway to help start repairs. Um, Jordy is working with the remaining dilithium crystal to get the warp drive up and working, but the ship is missing a part to regulate the antimatter for the fuel to the reactor. Wesley, oh no, I left a, I left a, I left an experiment running on the Enterprise. Can I go back and shut that down really quick? And I love, I love Star Trek so much, you guys, because <laughs> Wesley is like, I forgot to stop, I forgot to stop my experiment on the enterprise can i go back and riker's like is it serious and he's like yeah like it's science that i'm monitoring so they call picard and riker's like wesley in his excitement to join the away team forgot about a a very crucial experiment can he have permission to come aboard and stop it um and so Korami's like yeah he just cannot interact with anybody else and so wesley beams aboard goes to his experiment and says um oh i'm just gonna i'll get i'll get rid of this don't it's unstable it's un- don't don't even worry about it and he walks away with the cheekiest look on his face of <laughs> beams back aboard the hathaway secretly gives it to jordy and is like Psst, maybe this will help this whole episode <laughs> is the riker effect though because you can see riker's effect on wesley because he's got he's got mm-hmm. this this sneakiness that he never really displayed before he's like yeah. oh we need antimatter gosh where's some antimatter at oh and no one takes exactly. the kid seriously it's so good too because Riker comes in and like he knows there was no antimatter on the ship the ship has been decommissioned for all of this type of stuff and so yeah. when he finds out that that's what Wesley went back to the Enterprise for Riker says oh you cheated and Wesley says no I improvised and Riker is like no, okay yeah. and we, it's like we, totally down to clown yeah, it's totally a kirk move and also the riker effect on wharf where you get the concept of klingon guile and i just chuckled when i heard that line because <laughs> yes. that's not something you think about with klingons as being sneaky because they're all about honor and you know and being taking on death face right. on but mm-hmm. oh my god klingon mm-hmm. guile so good um, there's a wee, there's a wee little bleep B plot that happens where Data plays Karami in a game of stratagem and makes no mistakes, but still loses. And Data has a whole existential crisis over it. He goes back to his quarters, will not return to the bridge, and yeah. is being just like a real drama queen about the whole thing. Well, he's like, well, I'm not perfect, and there, therefore you probably shouldn't have me on the bridge. And Picard... <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and several people come in to try to talk to Data, right? Deanna, she, I lo- her job on the Enterprise, I want that job. Like, just to be the ship's counselor, to walk in and be like, hey, buddy, what's, uh, how you, what's, what's up? what's going on and like trying to explain to him like hey i know you're a robot but like you can also be affected by the the by a loss right um nothing's working and then picard comes in and gives him a like hey i need you to get over it or get off my ship (laughs) and and um so anyway uh during while the Hathaway is being prepared for um, this war game simulation, um, a Ferengi vessel comes in out of nowhere. And um, isn't it that the Enterprise thinks it's part of the Hathaway's like gambit? Klingon Guile. Klingon Guile, where they think that yeah. they are simulating a, a Ferengi ship attack when actually a, a, an actual Ferengi ship is attacked. And the Ferengi are like, we saw you attacking this other ship and you didn't attack us. So there must be something important on that ship we're going to take it from you or you guys are going to die trying. And uh, suddenly it's an actual war game scenario. <laughs> and Korami is like, you got to retreat. Get out of here. Picard. No, 40 of my men are on the Hathaway. I'm not leaving them. 
And Korami is like, fine, die, see what happens. But uh, masterful gambits from everybody. Um, Riker and Picard come up with a ruse. Um, Riker um, tells Picard that they have a two-second warp capability on the Hathaway now. And everyone acknowledges that's cutting it close. Uh, the the uh, Enterprise has rewired its weapon systems. And so now the photon torpedoes um, are ready and available. The Enterprise... So what they do is... Everything is set up so that the Enterprise will fire torpedoes at the Hathaway. But the same millisecond that that starts, they will enter that two-second warp and es- an escape casualty. And everyone acknowledges like, hey, this, we don't know for sure that the warp <laughs> works on this. <laughs> the Hathaway has Jordy. They're fine. They're fine. Um and so Picard is like, hey, Ferengi, we have denied you your prize. Get bent. <laughs> and the Hathaway circles back around, ready to, you know, intimidate the Ferengi ship. And the Ferengi ship are like, okay, 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 you have us, okay. And then they leave and everybody, yay, yay, happy, happy tomatoes. Um, and then Data plays um, Stratagem one more time with Karami and Korami is like me 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 and leaves uh, because they come up with the because they come up with the solution of I didn't have to beat him I just had to ne- let him not win and so mm-hmm. the game went on for at, at least sixty four thousand moves before Korami was like fine I'm, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home yeah. <laughs> and that to me is the true season finale of Star Trek the Next mm-hmm. Generation season yes. two it was glorious. Um, it was glorious. Um, the only trivia I have is Armin Shimmerman shows up as the Ferengi, you know, once more. And it and... was the first time the Ferengi felt like a threat. I mean, I only showed him one time before, but this this episode, you're like their their battle cruiser looked. Is this, oh, they've been on twice, twice. before. Okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah, their battle cruiser looked cool, and Armin Shimmerman, even though he played a Ferengi before, this this one was more cold and calculating, and uh, just kind of a a hint of what Quark was going to be like, which I love. So yeah, and it's and it, and you can right. talk about about being a Ferengi from the first episode where they were introduced through DS9 and how they, he was like, I'm grateful they let me come back to, to redo this and revisit yeah. these, you know, this kind of character and you know, the progression they finally gave him from being comic relief to know they, they were actually a threat. Yeah. And, and I like the way too, that they introduce the the threatfulness of it all right because like they're ta- they're pretty tactical too like they notice you were firing on that other ship and you weren't firing at us but then suddenly you were defending that other ship that must mean something and so, and and yeah, we're valuable we're gonna take it like it, you're mm-hmm. right it is the first time that i actually feel like oh my god these guys might be an actual threat <laughs> and there's a bit too with picard halfway through the episode you know he respects his crew because they're most of them are posted there because he selected them but when Worf pulls the i reprogrammed the enterprise's computer to feel like it was being attacked by something so that we can sneak up behind it and laser tag the hell out of it the look on picard's face isn't oh damn it we just got shot it's oh my god Worf well played and i just love that <laughs> it just i absolutely love that and that's when robbie turns around and goes oh they're good because they were mm-hmm. just like they were just rikering the hell out of the whole war games thing. And they also, Deanna at one point says they're, they're analyzing Riker and they're just like only 20% of the time does he ever fall back on standard tactics. The 80 other 80% of the time he's just clowning. He's just pulling some Riker bullshit. That's why I loved, I loved so much Picard's defense of Riker too, because Korami 
shitting all over Riker. And Picard's like, you truly have no idea what this man is capable of. There is a reason he's my first officer and he would make a hell of a captain anywhere else. And I just love to see that loyal you see it a lot on strange new worlds too i think at least where there's such a dedication to from the captain to his crew and like dedication trust and belief in his crew that is just so mm, that's a spicy star trek you know this is where we really start seeing that i mean we knew that kirk and his crew were friends i mean Mm. you know they, they we don't know what came before we saw their first episode but they're friends um but we really start seeing a captain who trusts and believes in it is willing to go out on a limb and let his officers go out on a limb mm-hmm. yeah. here. And, yeah. But it, it also plays through in the successive series where we'll see more of the, the, the uh, commanding officer being like, go do your thing. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Go. This, this, this was, this was when I got done with these six, seven episodes, cause I did watch shades of gray, like an idiot. Um, <laughs> I, I really found myself surprised at how much I really underestimated them when I first watched them. I was in my late teens, early 20s, and uh, I, I really disregarded a lot of this because I was an edgy idiot, mm-hmm. and uh, it it really played out better. I mean, even the weaker episodes still had something entertaining in them, and yep. this episode, of course, had the return of one of my favorite ships, the Constellation class in the USS Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Um, the, oh, yeah. the Hathaway... You- the USS Anne Hathaway was a constellation. Right. <laughs> so the Hathaway, the, the constellation is also the the Star, Stargazer was a constellation ship. Yep. Yeah. But a little trivia for you, that is not the last you'll see of the Hathaway. It is recommissioned after this episode. For what? You'll for find Starfleet. You will see it and it will be referred to and it is part of a, a pretty cool couple of episodes. Two uh, two things. I'm I am in the Lee camp now. I dismissed Next Gen when it was broadcast originally, and I didn't really. I mean, I watched it, but I wasn't into it. And again, it was our attitudes at that age. You know, yeah. we we've talked about this before, Robert. Well, yeah, you and I also, yeah. you and I tried several times to like come up with our own script treatments for Star Trek, and, and yeah. we we had a very early '90s attitude towards it. So we did, we did. It, yeah, it, yeah. eventually, it That's eventually fun. became the Oroville. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm coming around, and especially as I'm now jumping into season three, which will be our next episode. Um, oh my god! I'm really starting to come around on next gen. There have been a couple of times while watching these episodes in season three, I've teared up, and yep. uh, you know, genuinely cared. <laughs> uh, you know, which is just not. What I, I, I gotta tell you, my my perspective, my point of view on this journey. I have loved every single Star Trek that we have been talking, and it's mm-hmm. all brand new to me, right? But knowing also that you guys and other people too have been like, "Oh, you're in for some slogs," or "Oh, this was not good at the time," or blah blah we blah. We were kind of wrong. But, yeah, we but were. but now going through this journey with you guys, and you guys are like, "Okay, maybe maybe we didn't give it a fair shot," and like. To- actually enjoying it now but that's but that's also the thing that comes with time and perspective right like your lives and perspectives have changed and so now you can approach these episodes from different perspectives and be like oh actually i think i like this quite a bit and that's been really enjoying enjoyable my mom and dad did not miss an episode and they loved it all like it was Mm -hmm. especially for my mom who loved classic trek so much she was just like this is great this is what i wanted to see Mm -hmm. and now i'm watching it you know, as as somebody who's older than my mom was when Next Gen came on, and I'm just like, look, I I used to say that half of Next Gen was garbage, and that the other half was pretty good, 
And now I'm looking back on it and going, yeah, there's there's some misses, but it's all entertaining. And Mm -hmm. I I'm willing to I'm willing to take that on. There's a couple in the first season that really hurt to watch. Yeah. But I also recognize because of a writer's strike, they were recycling scripts from the 70s. Ha ha ha. And that's you how were, you get Riker and Feathers fighting someone on a jungle gym. You were uh, you were gonna you were gonna disagree, Robert. I'm gonna disagree a bit because I'm. We are in the same age range, and when, in my perspective, when Next Gen came out, was this is awesome, and even the really crappy episodes at the time, I'm like, oh, this is great because it was it was new Star Trek, and I didn't I wasn't as dismissive of the series as a whole, like certain characters, like. Wesley early on, we all collectively in my group that were that would watch Next Gen loved to hate Wesley so much that yeah. when his uh, when he was in uh, when Will Wheaton was in Toy Soldiers and his character died, we were all just like yes, yes, we were the same, died again, we were the same died again. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the we, same. we had kind of an Eltingville Club vibe going in those days, though. Yeah, I mean you remember Lee? It was the it was the Scott Vice effect. Uh, yeah kind of hat you know so we were extra critical you know we were those geeks but so maybe, it also... so maybe it's great that you guys are revisiting it now in this yes. time where it's, now it's we are fun. very much like show us what you got exactly. and um you know we are more of the mindset of you know i do this with like every movie i try to go see like what did i enjoy about this yeah. like they the, nobody makes out to nobody seeks to make a terrible episode of television mm-hmm. right unless it's so like, sony doing a, a unless Spider-Man. it's sony making a spider-man villain movie which yeah. i yeah. hope yeah. they lean further into making bad movies but <laughs> you know maybe up. maybe it's kind of serendipitous that you guys are doing this rewatch now yeah. oh absolutely i you know yeah. when i when i think about our attitudes i mean if you go back to the archives on geek show and listen to those early episodes please don't uh, we, were, <laughs> we were darn right shits, you know, we, we, a lot of time. But we've also been doing this for so long that, I mean, there's obviously been some character progression. But yeah. this is, this is for those folks who haven't heard this story before, this next season, season three, is literally the beginning of Geek Show. Yes. Because oh. we, we would go uh, after every episode of Next Gen would air at noon on uh, Channel 13 yeah. on Saturday. And afterwards... We would all get together at an Indian place for brunch, and mm-hmm. we would sit there and just riff on that episode of Next Gen. Yeah. And eventually, that became, and then we'd go look at, we'd go hunt for toys for the whole afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was Carrie and and uh, a couple of other friends that have that have been on Geek Show and moved on to other pastures. And uh, mm-hmm. it it was literally the beginning of it because I think we would be so entertained by that that of course our hubris said that everybody else should be as well. <laughs> so. And that, yes, podcasting was built and designed at that Indian restaurant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Smith was there. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, let me just say this about uh, Kohlrabi, the, uh, you know, uh, on our last episode. Uh, I only order the Kohlrabi when it's fresh at Takashi. Oh, All right, Luoxana. We I, okay. I, have to, I have to throw this out there, though. If you watch Peak Performance as the true season finale of season two, then load up the first episode of season three, you're going to gasp. You're going to gasp at the change in quality. The 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 filming is better, the lighting is better, the costumes, they get the new Gabardine costumes. costumes. Are better. Yeah, they get um, the new costumes, the writing is better. Yeah, it's just like and of course, you know, Jack Kelso from Scrubs is 
one of the characters <laughs> on the first episode. So, um, Ooh, well, I'm very excited. Maybe I'll go do that right now. Watch on my Star Trek. Um, if you are following me on Twitter at you gross Rebecca, um, I live tweet all the episodes. You know, I started live tweeting the episodes when I started watching next gen, um, but then took a break when we started doing the show. But now that I'm all caught up, I'm back to Trek that is new to me. So follow me on Twitter and I'm doing live tweets of all the episodes. Um, people are really enjoying that. Somebody said that they like getting a, a hint of the homework um, to come for upcoming space show show episodes. So nice. Um, but uh, you know, uh, thank you guys for joining us next week. We'll, t- we'll dive right into season three with episodes, evolution, the ensigns of command, the survivors who watches the watchers and the bonding. Um, but until then we will keep going where no man has gone before, but a lot of people have gone before. Thanks everybody. <laughs>